Vev! 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 ever rebrand of the podcast this is evil geniuses we used to be called everything evil but now we are live evil pod and going forward we will be covering everything including the lcs academy prodigies and i have a no bigger pleasure than bringing a guest and i hope he'll be able to give us a returning appearance this is his not his first rodeo on podcast or in any media format and i've watched him come from humble beginnings had him on a previous uh you know endeavor uh he's still in the nfl sphere pretty active but when he brings the knowledge of both nfl quarterbacks and league of legends you have you cannot find anyone out there i promise you ladies and gentlemen you cannot find anyone out there that is just like Derek. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, pretty exciting to be on the first episode of uh, of the new rebrand. Um, like you said, we we had done this before on a, on a different show many many years ago, but it's it's good to be back. Awesome, and definitely the knowledge that you bring is something that I enjoy reading on Twitter. You give little blurbs, and um, you know a lot of discussion that only people who are involved both in the NFL, well, more so in the NFL, but people in the league can enjoy as well. We have a lot of North American who do watch NFL, but the crossover is not as, um, you know, you know, not as pronounced. So let me start off by giving you um, a floor to talk a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, how you got into league, what made you so fascinated by, you know, uh, pro league scene, and, you know, tell us also about your position in league yes yeah, so i i started playing league i think it was like 2013 back in high school um i was horrible i, I played jungle at the time a little bit um i had really like watched fin- those early fanatic teams were really really fun um and so they kind of got the ball rolling and then uh i graduated high school 2015 and so like the first year or two after i graduated high school i just kind of stopped playing you know i just didn't have time other stuff was going on i was trying to you know break into my nfl career all that stuff um and then for whatever reason i think like the end of 2017 season one of my other friends was like do you know about league of legends i was like hell yeah i know about league of legends (laughs) and he was like oh i just got it i was like oh hell yeah i'll start playing again and so i've been playing again ever since um didn't really know what to play at first when I got back. And then I just, uh, I started watching LCS a little bit, uh, spring of 2018. And I remembered mm-hmm. who Aframu was and I remembered who Biofrost was. And I was like, I really like these guys. And so I started watching them. I was like, I can do that. Not that well, but I can do that. And so I just started playing support. Um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. I, I pretty much mostly play, you know, 
I followed more the Aframu style where I play engage. I, I try to mm. do everything for the team, and sometimes it leads to some griefing, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it, man. That's what makes ex- uh, support exciting. Man, you are a man after my own heart because I know we connect on both Rakan and Renata right now. Um, yeah, I, I'm a support main. It's been hell in ranked, man. I, that's, a, <laughs> that's a different pod to kind of uh, vent on. I uh, just had a, my, my uh, ass handed to me this morning. So... <laughs> Awesome to know that and kind of uh, knowing that we entered the scene around the same time, but you are already familiar kind of with the game itself and uh, Fnatic, was that, was that the one you were following? And then move over to kind of more Afro and Biofrost. Both are still in the league. That, yeah, that's amazing. Is, that's the craziest part. Yeah, so I, I, when I started playing, you know, casually in high school, I had started watching the, the Fnatic teams. I think at the time it was like, Soas, Cyanide, Speke, mm-hmm. uh, Reckless, and then I don't even remember who they had at support, unfortunately. <laughs> it might have been Hillisung? like. Oh, I thought it was thought. It, it was I don't think it was Hillisung at that point. Oh. I think at that point it might have been like. I know Yellowstar had a, a stint there. Um, there were a couple of others I, I can't remember. But um, they, that was they the team that got team. me into watching it competitively. And so that team was they awesome. They got a good Worlds run that year, I remember. 2017 maybe because 2018 it does show caps and Hellasang already jezzes jezzes was their support interesting oh my god i forgot that happened <laughs> every couple of years jezzes comes back and just plays support <laughs> instead of coaching i mean last split he told me we he's just gonna coach and somehow he found his way into the i don't i don't understand it happened with misfits happened. too like it just that's just what he does <laughs> <laughs> the man is Ah, well, that's an EU podcast. We are more uh, centric here at Evil Geniuses Pod to talk more about NA, greatest region of the world. Wink, wink. Um, but yeah, I, I brought you in today because of the knowledge that you've shown on understanding what you're watching. And this is a great opportunity to teach some of our listeners who are new to uh, Evil Geniuses to new to LCS. We've gained a lot of following this year. Notably, yes, Ben Wagner's. I can put myself in that shoe, but we won. We were defending our LCS title this summer. And I have the pleasure of bringing you on to kind of talk to us and teach us, maybe like give us some um, understanding of what we're watching when we're watching the pick and ban phase. The draft is a key component to any game in, in the NFL. I often, um, you know, Compare it to like, this is the game plan going into the week. They're going to have this and they need to execute. That's like the the game plan is already set. They have to follow through that. Some of the scripts, of course, things change, but the draft is that important. For a lot of people, what I see them, they are just following whatever the analysts tell them. They look at the Twitch spam chat and those are not helpful to kind of tell us the whether the draft is good or bad. Now, also... A lot of people are bringing in their own knowledge of what good drafting is from their solo queue experience. I know I have been guilty of doing that. So tell us a little bit, Derek, of what you've seen is uh, considered the pro draft. Uh, what's the mindset there? What what are they looking to build around? Uh, and how is that different from a solo queue type of um, you know composition? I would say the biggest difference is that when you're drafting a pro draft, you, I, I, to me, the two biggest things that you're aiming for are an identity where all five champions are, are like clearly doing something. And then I think 
you're also drafting to like mitigate weaknesses. Um, I think those are usually the two staples that you're trying to do. Sometimes if you watch LPL, they go a little bit crazier, a little bit more volatile, and they're willing to just pick solo queue-esque comps. But, you know, the difference I would say is like when you're in solo queue, you can't really coordinate all five players to draft a team that has an identity. Most people are just drafting for the sake of their lane. And so you end up with these comps where like you might have three strong laners, but none of them interact with each other when you get to a team fight and the other team just rolls you over. Um, whereas I think at least in the pro draft, you can like pace yourself, set up certain things. Um, you can have pivots off of certain picks, whereas like in solo queue, that's just not happening. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Get those frequent, um, yelling at me like pick a tank pick a tank support you just always pick, pick a tank, tank man. <laughs> oh i'm like I, am... I didn't start off with a tank i was more of an enchanter but yeah so those kind of knowledge the interaction that's the preparation that goes on in the background a lot of times that we don't understand that we don't know about um and kind of um with that said some teams you can tell that they're preparation is a little awkward or they might be experimenting on something i think you know c9 is very well known for that a couple of years ago uh eg has a lot of flack for how they drafted this whole spring and so based on what you've seen and what you remember about this past year can you share with like some of your observations about like whether those criticisms are fair what or or you know or, or do you have uh, concerns about how they are approaching each um, match? I think to me, I mean, they did draft pretty pretty goofy um, for most of the season. I think that was why they lost a lot more games than they probably should have. Some of that I do think is like they, you know, to your point, they were experimenting more than other teams. I think if you look at some other teams like, you know, maybe TL or even 100 Thieves, they were picking a lot of like stock standard. These are the you know, very safe meta picks. We're just going to play that. We're going to team fight, yada, yada, yada. I think Evil Geniuses was a little bit more willing to do other stuff. The problem is, to me, I think a lot of their comps ended up still being kind of stale, mostly because of Vulcan's picks. Like, Vulcan can really only play, like, Leona, Nautilus, and, like, Alistair. I mean, if you look at his uh, picks, he doesn't really have anything else. He has a couple of games of Yumi, like, one or two of Karma, but... He doesn't have the Renata. He doesn't have the Lulu like other like other people do. And I think he doesn't have the Lux that other people were playing. Um, granted, that was also like a Dignitas special. But still, I think there were a lot of um, particularly Enchanter picks that he... Maybe it's not him. Maybe it, you know the team as a whole just wasn't willing to pick them. Maybe he wasn't comfortable with them. I don't know. But I think that was their biggest problem was they constantly ended up in the scenario where they just had like engaged bot lane and they were never able to play like peel comps. They were never able to really hinge or change how their draft could function because of the way that they were pigeonholed at support. So I think that was kind of the biggest problem for them. I'm very interested to see if that was just like a weird, you know, it was him and Danny's first split together. So maybe they just wanted to play the safest stuff. I don't know. We'll see. But I think that's going to have to be the biggest change uh, going into summer. Yeah. And safe does come into mind because the, the, the Leona especially is a very, very comfort pick for Vulcan. And if you take that out, he's, he's kind of a wild, um, card. Maybe he thinks of himself as a playmaker, um, akin to maybe Hillisan, but not as great. And so you'll see him getting out of positions a lot or he's engaging while everyone's like pulling back. And that's, 
that's where people put a lot of blame on him. And I think I can see some of it. I just don't think it's uh, fair that it's all him all the time because the team does have a little bit of uh, hesitancy when they, they, you see that, you kind of uh, notice that that's when they lose the game or lose a lot of the um, pressure on the map or the tempo. But when there are limit testing, they're going all in. It's really hard to stop this team. Um, and so... Is there like hmm, this is a a, a a you know a area that EG can grow into if when you see Vulcan is hit is it him primarily that you think needs to expand a little bit more? Is there other areas that you can see that can um, help this team repeat its the defense of the title? Yeah, I think that either. Either Vulcan needs to be able to open his champion pool, or kind of like you mentioned, in some of those team fights, there definitely were instances where he's too far forward and it looks like he's griefing. But I also think there were plenty of instances where, like, Inspired probably wasn't pulling the trigger the way he should have until towards the end of the year when they finally fixed it and Inspired, you know, would start going in. And that's how they became the best team in the league is that that kind of trick or that switch kind of uh, finally flipped. So. Mm-hmm. that's going to have to keep up, I think. And then um, I think just like really consistency out of Jojo Pin. Um, I think mm-hmm. he has a really open champion pool. Obviously a dominant laner is just sometimes his his macro, his team play was a little hit or miss, but that's to be expected of a young player. Like nobody's going to step into the league and instantly be the greatest. And I actually thought at MSI, obviously they didn't win very many games, but I thought on an individual level, he stood up about as well as anybody could have hoped. And I think that that was really, really promising. Um, The only other, the only thing that I think really showed up at MSI that is maybe going to hurt them going into summer was um, impact was really bad on Gwen, like horrendous. Uh, I think they went like one in five on it. And I think the one win might've been against like order, which is Mm -hmm. like, that's not real. Um, (laughs) And so I think the fact that he couldn't play like the carry champion at MSI I think is a little bit of an issue. I think impact can carry and they did some of that during the, the regular season, especially on like Trendomir and stuff. But I'm very interested to see if he can play Gwen um, coming to this split. I'm very inter- interested to see if he's going to be able to pick up Kale and carry games that way. Um, because, you know, when we look at like the LPL, for example, like Flandre is playing it, the shy is playing it. Impact is good, but I don't think of him as that kind of player. So I'm very interested to see if they're going to be able to open up, you know, to access that side of, um, the draft because I think other teams in the league like C9 I think they're going to be very willing to pick Kale um, you know I think uh, Huni is probably going to be very willing to pick Kale um, I'm trying to think of other other top laners but I, I think Licorice probably is going to be very willing to pick Kale so I think it's we just going to be like there's going to be some picks that they need to to be able to play yeah it's it's an ever um, evolving uh, for this team, and if you audience, if you get a chance to go to our Discord at uh, Evil Geniuses, you can hear some of Peter's thoughts about like you know what's been going on. Mostly, it's just um, a lot of people messing with JoJo. Did you know that JoJo still don't have the grasp of all the champions, and that you actually believe it when a teammate told him that he can take cleanse against a Malzahar? Result. Um, he believed it. Oh, so he's very young. No, so, no, the Malzahar Warwick trick, dude. Everyone <laughs> thinks, oh, I can take cleanse. No, it just doesn't work. <laughs> so you know that this uh, was it Fortnite 
Fortnite. Yeah, he's like a Fortnite, Fortnite player. It still has a lot of growing to do, but once he can reach that, it's it's exciting to see because this is NA talent. I know this is the this is a whole narrative we're playing, e.g., NA talent. But we'll ride that until you know the cow uh, calls home. I don't know what the saying is anymore. <laughs> In any case, uh, things to look forward to, of course. And the summer split is uh, starting on. June 17th and we will start with a super week we have a lot of games to watch and a whole lot of games uh, for the next uh, couple of months so what I find that you know where Derek and I can uh, give us the most value for our time here today is do a quick power ranking and going from the LCS summer a lot of teams have made a lot of changes as we go through each of the teams, we can talk a little bit about, you know, their roster changes or maybe their focus with, where uh, they need to show growth if they are ha- want a chance in the playoffs or wet worlds. So, uh, Derek, I'll give you choice. Do you want to start at the top or start at the bottom? Uh... Let's, let's start at the bottom and, and try to work our way up. All right. Get the finale at the end. <laughs> For myself, the bottom team that I, I think still has not shown enough uh, changes to make anything happen and likely miss playoffs is either Golden Guardians or, you know what, Golden Guardians seems to be the, the team for me that, that's going to have the hardest time um, making anything happen this uh, split. What about for you? I'm I'm a little higher on Golden Guardians. I will say the, the Stixie... Coming back thing is very weird. Um, he had not been like he was really good at you know 2018 CLG. Um, I think like him and Biofrost were actually insane, mm. but pretty much everything after that was just not very good. Um, and then he literally was not playing, <laughs> or he I think he ended up like accidentally playing Academy, but that wasn't their plan for him this split. So very interested to see how that works out. But like truthfully, I was surprised at how good Ole was coming back. Um, you know he wasn't. Mm-hmm special but he was like at least the middle of the pack support which i thought he was going to be bottom tier when he came back so that was nice um i think pride stalker is like he's still probably like the eighth best jungler in the league but i think na jungle talent is actually insane right now so he's still to me like a viable player licorice not his peak form but i think still a viable player to me it really just comes down to like can a blaze olive be what he was in 2021 again because he wasn't Mm special in 21 or 2021 but he was at least like an average mid laner with a couple of moments he had some really interesting picks he was playing like tom kench and stuff it was like okay this guy is competent and has some flexibility you can work with that 2022 that was not the case in spring he just looked really really bad so i think if he can rebound they'd be a decent team but maybe that's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) and and that is uh Truth and all, yes, Licorice, I agree with you. He's he can hold his own, but um, the rest of the team needs to follow up. And again, maybe maybe it's my bias against Dixay. Like like you mentioned, after the the great year that he had with CLG, I just didn't see much from him anymore. And right now, I think LCS still plays a little bit towards the bottom lane um, overall to to win games. So who do you have as the bottom team then? I have uh, CLG. Um, okay. which is unfortunate because I actually do like their bot lane. Um, I think Luger is really, really talented. Um, and Poom is like, he's not that good, but he's at least kind of fun to watch. <laughs> and he'll, he's at least willing to play some of the enchanters and stuff, which I think is important. Um, I think it at least gives them some flexibility in the draft. Um, I just, they're 
their top side to me is just really, really bad. Like, I don't think Dokal is going to do much of anything. Contracts is bottom tier jungler right now. Um, and Palafox just doesn't doesn't move the needle for me. So unless some of those young guys take some incredible leaps, I think this is probably still one of the worst team in the league. Mm, okay, I, I can give you that. I, mean, I might be excited about Luger, and rightfully so. He was the best player of CLG in spring, and uh, I think Poom is only there for the comfort since they both played at uh, Academy, mm-hmm. 100 Thieves Academy together. Contracts, it's so unfortunate. He was from EG. He showed up well last year in spots, but... Um, he had the highest death in spring. It's like every single time you see someone die, it's contracts, um, somehow solo death, team death, something. Uh, and Dokla, it's been a while. It's been a while since I, I've seen him. Contracts, I think, is a jungler who actually can be effective. It's just he needs very, very hyper-aggressive solo laners that will give him push and give him room to breathe in the enemy jungle because the problem is he's going to go there no matter what it's just a matter of like is he getting backup (laughs) um and obviously when you're (laughs) when your solo laners are are clgs Mm. probably not getting the backup that you want all the time yeah you can't compare jizuke to palafox or the other way around it's just it's different cool all right but yes clg would have been my pick as well at the bottom so um i have that 10 ninth place um for me, next up, it was probably Immortals just because they have a really weird roster right now um, with the swaps. They have uh, they brought in Kenvi. I'm excited to see him. And many people have been talking about how you know his uh, Kindred play is amazing and will fit this uh, patch, this meta. Uh, and But their bot lane is something that I am ex- absolutely not excited about. Yeah, I I can see a world where like they are randomly like the sixth team and, and squeak in the playoffs, but I don't think Lost is I think Lost is probably the worst AD carry in the league. Um I do like Ignar, but he's not gonna be good enough, I think, to fix the bot lane. Um Power of Evil at this point is just I don't think he's quite as good as he was, um, even on FlyQuest, um, which mm-hmm. is a problem. Kenvi, I am really excited about, though, but he's still a rookie, so you don't know what he's going to give. But I remember with Kenvi, like, when 100 Thieves first announced the 100X program, I was like, this is really cool that NA is, is doing, like, you know, uh, investing in amateur, like, the actual orgs. This is really cool. But also, I was like, these players probably aren't going to be anything. This probably doesn't mean anything. It's their first rodeo. Like, there's no way they actually got good players for their first team, right? I watched a couple of games of 100X and I was like, oh my God, this Kenvi dude is like incredible. Uh, Kenvi and, and Copy, who is, I think, the maybe Cloud9's uh, Academy Cloud Nine, laner, yeah. also mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Um, but I just remember, I mean, that was even like two years ago where I was like, oh, this dude's crazy. So I'm very excited to see that he's finally getting a chance because obviously when 100 Thieves brought in Closer, you're not going to start over Closer. Closer might be the best jungler in the league. So that was just like an unfortunate scenario that they ended up in. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where we. We saw him in Academy, or I paid attention in Academy. It's like, wow, this kid needs a spot, and it's... It, he was clearly too take... good for Academy. Yeah, And it's great to see, like you mentioned, this is um, the development that's taking place, and we see players are moving from amateur to Academy, and then to the pro, and you know, through their hard work, through their uh, investment by the orgs, to trust in new talent rather than recycling the old ones. I, that, that year, man, was it 18, 19 was just a recycling of players. Um, 
so yeah, we see we see it can work. Um, not all the time. Um, may I remind us of iconic and Niles? Poor guys. <laughs> I think I think they were thrown in a little. I, too I definitely too. remember Niles. I thought Niles was gonna be so sick. Yeah. Well, actually, to be fair, I loved watching him in college, and I was like, this guy was a good prospect. He should definitely play academy and then the LCS. And he just went straight to LCS, and it was like that's probably bad development idea and obviously he didn't work out but yeah um i think he's back with maryville mm-hmm. um as he a is. coach or player i can't remember i think he's playing but, again oh he's playing again good good for him uh it was kind of sad to see his announcement when he retired oh, but um he's playing so good good stuff all right so we are moving up to the um you know playoff prop probability teams that will sneak in the playoffs for me it's it's a big you know glob and mm-hmm. you know, between FlyQuest, Dignitas, TSM I, I want to believe that TSM can jump back into some prominence but did not with this roster I don't know what the whole idea is of bringing in Maple that doesn't seem like a rebuild kind of momentum but yet the rest of the roster doesn't feel like it's a solidified um, championship kind of contention type of roster. What are your thoughts on the old kings of ending? Yeah, I don't know what this roster is supposed to be at all. Like, I I have been pretty critical of Huni for a while, and I don't think he's very good right now. Um, Maple, it has been a long time since he's been very good. You know, I know he was playing in the LPL and stuff, but he, I think... Not close to what his Flash Fools days were. Um, tactical, I still think, can be really good. It's just, I think, the support situation just... I don't know. I think the bot lane was just weird. Obviously, they might be changing with Mia uh, playing now instead of Shenyi. Maybe that fixes something. I don't know. Um, I just It feels like an entire roster of players that, like... We know them have to have been good at one point, but it's been a long time, and I don't know why it would change under these particular circumstances where, like, TSM is a very, like, seems like a a very hostile and volatile work environment. I just have a hard time believing that this roster is going to do anything, which I think is extremely unfortunate because I think at his best, Spika is the best jungler in the league. But when you're playing on this roster, it's impossible to show that, so. Oh, my gosh. How how surprised were you how the, the difference between 2021 Spica and 2022 Spica. I thought I'd been seeing two completely different players. It was it was really shocking and sad because I think 2021 Spica, to me, felt very like peak Yankos, where he is mm. just constantly ahead of you. Um, he's very willing to play like team oriented picks. Like he was super in on like the set like locket pick. With, like he was just very very like. Um, a stabilizing force for TSM while still like showing enough aggression to like, you know, make plays and stuff. So I thought his 2021 was incredible. And then you get to 2022, can't really play for his mid lane anymore. Huni isn't any better. The bot lane is worse. Like, it's just everything just kind of fell apart. So I, I still think I-, I would love to see him somehow get out in for 2023 and, and have a real roster to play with. That would be wonderful. So uh, kind of build around him for TSM. Either build around him or, or, truthfully, just with all the stuff that's come out of TSM, I would love to see him leave. <laughs> uh, well, well, that is actually... We're on the same wavelength on that. Um, so let's 
kind of touch base on the other two teams that are in this glob for me. Do you, is there a separation for you between TSM and like Dignitas or Fly? No, I think Dignitas, FlyQuest, TSM, and then for me, I actually kind of have Golden Guardians in this tier too, where they're mm-hmm. all just like the, in some world, they could, you know, so one of these teams has to make playoffs. Um, I just don't know which one it's going to be. Um, yeah, TSM, I'm definitely not that high on of the group though. FlyQuest is, I love certain parts of their roster and certain parts of their roster, I hate. I, I Johnson, I don't think is, is very good. I just... His laning is not particularly strong, and when they get to the team fights, I feel like he doesn't show up even as well as he used to, like when him and Aframu first started playing together on like Dignitas a while back. Like back then I was like, this is competent, this can work. Now I don't think he's even even that. Um and then Kumo, I think, had his moments and I think did look a little better this year than I thought, but is still not a good enough top laner to really be like an actual contending strong team. Um, but I do really like uh, the jungle. I think Jose Diodo is solid. Tuhui was really shockingly good to me because um, I didn't know anything about him. You know, he was like mm-hmm. a European sub league player. I don't really watch much of that except for when it comes around to EUM, but I don't remember him playing in that. Um, so he came in and he was just instantly like the mage god. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I would like to see him play some other stuff, you know, uh, and mix it up and be able to have some flexibility. But I think the fact that he can at least do that very well is good for them. Um, I just don't know if that's going to be enough when they don't have any other carry threats. Yeah, Takui um, definitely is a pleasant surprise and kind of um, I'm excited about. But then, you know, towards the mid to late season, you kind of see that FlyQuest got a little um, uh, solved. Like they haven't changed much of their game plan. I mean, in the early season, they tried the, the whole weird like uh, smite top lane, no farm. And, that was gross. And... They, they brought like, him. Some, yeah, that was maybe the worst strategy I've ever. Like, I just, I despise that so much. I think that was worse than like funneling. That 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 stuff was so gross. Oh, the games dragged on. Um, just absolutely watching how like they the the top lane got demolished, but they don't care, and it's all about you know late game. And it gave them a couple of wins, which I thought was basically a big reason why they they ranked higher than they should. I'm not trying to, you know, um, poop on my flight crew, um, flight quest crew. We are still good buddies, and they're in the podcast. But um, Kumo, I'm surprised they haven't really thought about, at least thought about um, replacing because it's it's he's it feels like a player that's on neutral, right? He's not gonna move you mm-hmm. forward, and he'll take what you're giving him um, and then just wait until the mid game or mid lane because he's not dominating the, the, the lane at all or not playing weak side as uh, well as I hope uh, a top laner would do. Right. I think like that's the big problem with FlyQuest is like you're not getting carry insurance out of Johnson in my opinion ever and then you're going to have probably half the games Kumo plays, at least, where he is just, like, actively down. And so then you have the situation where you don't have insurance, and now you don't have a top laner to play through. You're just praying to God that Jose and Tukui can, like, make something happen. And I think they can enough, but, like, they're still a middle-of-the-pack jungle mid duo. They're not, like, a great duo where they can do this all the time. It's not, you know, Caps, Yankos or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just think they to have too many holes. Yeah, that tweak, and also if they can find a strong or if Johnson can show his old form, maybe 
that'll give my, mm-hmm. my me some more confidence for FlyQuest. So that leaves Dignitas, which has always been such a headache of a team for me to figure out when they're good and when they're <laughs> not. Um, they've made another change. Um, in the spring, they brought in River and Blue, which everyone was really, really unsure what to expect. Uh, we saw a couple of good things, especially early in the season. And then now they uh, did make a change at the top lane with Gamsu from, I believe, 100 Thieves Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gamsu is... <laughs> He's, it's very memeable because, you know, he former LC, uh, former League Pro, went to Overwatch, came back. He's, like, old as hell, so everyone was like, is this a real player? Um, I did not think it was, like, a real player, but I had actually watched a decent amount of him um, on 100... I think he was on 100X originally. And then went to Academy. Um, he's not bad. Like, he's actually a decent weak side player. There were a couple, like, Scion games I thought he played that were decent. Um, some Gangplank games that I thought were decent. Like, I don't know if this really gets you excited. I don't know how much better it's actually going to be um, than what than, than Fake God. But, like, I'm at least, like, willing to hear it out. I'm at least willing to see what's going on. And then um, I actually kind of like their bot lane. I think Neo is kind of inconsistent but like he does have moments where he can just carry games um where mm-hmm. some of the other bottom tier uh ad carries like i just don't feel like they're gonna do that you know like johnson lost and then sticks mm-hmm. at this point i don't ever feel confident that they can ever really carry a game neo at least like sometimes he can do it um and then i think biofrost is actually still pretty good um so they have enough that keeps me interested and then river is fun um i think he kind of plays a chaotic style but it's fun <laughs> Uh, I mean, at the towards the mid to end of the spring split, people just say ban out J four and you'll find you're fine. Just ban him out the J four. That was their biggest problem. Was like River. I think is very good at being like a pick early skirmish. Go 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 go. I'm gonna uh, you know sacrifice some of my camps. He's really good at that. But then, like to your point, when you take away the best champion in the game at doing that in a given meta. He's probably not going to look as, as dominant. I think that's just the the coin flip that you you know accept when you sign a player like that. And speaking to that point, maybe Gamsu is a better fit because Fake God cannot give you that prio that you need or that uh, the the assistance that River can have to you know invade, be aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. They're still going to uh, tilt I... me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, honestly, as long as Gamsu can just be a functional weak side player, I think that fixes enough of last year's problems that this can actually be a playoff team this time around. Because, I mean, Fakeout might have been the worst top laner in the league last year. Because um, at least Kumo, you know, like Kumo did have the the Janna games, whatever you want to say about those. That, like he did play that and he invested in that and he made it work. And mm-hmm. then like Kumo had a couple of Gragas games where I was like, okay, this is not bad. Fakeout, I just don't. It just felt like it was not mm. there. So if Gamsu can give them 15% better play, I think that's pretty big for them. Absolutely, absolutely. So now that leads us to the final four. I'm biased. I have EG number one, of course. <laughs> I mean, all our audience would agree with me, and of course our trophy would say the same. But uh, I'll let you kind of guide, like how do you rank the top four? Hmm... I actually think any of Team Liquid, 100 Thieves, and EG in any order is probably fine. I still prefer Team Liquid, and I think their meltdown in spring finals was not really indicative of 
who they are because like getting beat that way was just I, I don't know like there are just too many good players for them to have to have for that to be like what their true form is I think they're going to be totally fine when they get back to summer I mean they were the best team in the regular season I think they're going to be able to do that again I think they just had like a really weird day and I think also they just EG happened to be like at their peak form and sometimes that happens sometimes somebody gets hot and that's how it goes but I, yeah. I still think Team Liquid to me is is the best team I just think they're too good at every spot and I think another split of Hansama Core JJ is going to be disgusting oh yes Core uh, once he got his green card, I thought that Team Liquid was not going to drop a single game. And to their credit, they, they dropped some of the weird ones because of their uh, weird experimental. With the they draft, had a couple but... of drafts that were like, you guys are having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think they lost to Immortals. It was one of the games. It, it mm-hmm. was so random. Um, but overall, top to bottom, they have probably the most um, peak talent and veteran presence in all of them, I, I think, yeah, every single one of them as as a veteran leadership and uh, know how to play with you know each other, play as a team. Um, I I can't um, you know disagree with that. Uh, I think Team Liquid is a team that will have that consistency, will finish in the top three, maybe top one or two, and I'm I'm pinning them in for Worlds. Um, and so yeah. that leaves us with C9. Thieves and EG. The the last thing I actually want to say about Team Liquid is I really want to see them not play for mid lane the way that they did last year. Mm. Last year it felt like they were permanently three people mid lane, um, which obviously worked uh, really well for getting a lot of regular season wins. But I feel like when you get to the international stage, you're gonna need more than that, um, especially because like Bjergsen is good, but it's not like they're doing this for like knight or rookie. You know what I mean? If you're doing that for Knight or Rookie, you know this dude every time is going to carry the game. Okay, fine. I think at the international level, Bjergsen is not quite that. So I would like to see them actually play more for bot lane specifically. I think Hansama um, is still the best AD in the league. I think he's just an unbelievable laner um, and still really consistent as a team fighter. So I would just really like to see them play for bot lane more. That, that's my last thing on, on team. Absolutely. Group. Absolutely. I think that's that, that makes a great point there to kind of see because... When he pulled those Ash games, I was like, are you guys not making him a carry? Or are you making him a utility? Um, it's just wild to me. It's like he He's such an insane carry. I don't know why that he was not their guy. Um, and Bjergsen is still rounding into form. He There's definite rust. Mm-hmm. We saw definite rust there. Um, you know, now we have the Thieves who are close to your heart. I know. And yes. then we have C9. <laughs> who will be entering the spring with a very, very odd situation. Um, Jojo Pion actually made Fudge go back to top lane. Um, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll say that that's the real reason yep. why. Um, and they brought back the legendary Jensen, who started with or made um, his name known through C9. And then Sven support? What am I looking at here? That is apparently the plan here. Um, is that Sven is, you know, he's playing support now because I guess, you know, he's not ever going to start over Berserker. I guess he might have to early in the year because apparently Berserker lost his visa and we don't know when he's going to get that sorted out. So maybe Sven's playing AD carry and Destiny's playing support. Maybe Sven is still going to play support and they're going to play King at AD carry. I don't know. 
Um, but I do really like their top side at least. So no matter what happens bot lane, and also all the players that they might have to fill in bot lane, you know, like if Destiny has to play or if King has to play, these aren't horrible players. They're not academy players, you know what I mean? Like these are professionals, just not elite players. But I think they could probably get by. But their top side, I think, is so insane. Like Fudge at his best is the best top laner in the league, probably. Blabber, same thing at jungle, best jungler in the league when he's at his best. Jensen, you know, we didn't see him in spring, so you don't know. But I think Jensen is still, I think, probably going to play like a top three mid laner. You know, I, I would still give guys like JoJo and Bjergsen um, the edge right now just because I think we've seen it more recently. Um, and then Abadage is probably still in that conversation too, even though he's a little bit of a roller coaster. We'll, we'll we'll <laughs> um, but I think their top side is, is really good. Hmm. Yeah, man. Um, Labber, still the best, best yeah. jungler. I, I I have to admit to that. And just watching Labber and Closer, at least last year, um, were the only like I think there are a lot of good junglers in NA, but those Labber and Closer are the only two guys where it there were just games where it was suffocating how much they were doing on the map, where it just felt like okay, this is his game, it's his world, nobody else matters, they get to do whatever they want. Those are the only two guys where it feels like. This is their rift. Yeah, you don't have to remind me of how Blabber just completely tore <laughs> apart our EG with the volley bear. Like the analysts were like, "Oh, they're all the kills are going there. It's not great because he might lose the bounty. He didn't die at all that game." I was like, oh. "That's the thing. It's like on a base level, I get the criticism of like, man, you don't want all your kills on a volley bear. That that's weird, right? That stinks." If you turn on the nameplates and it's C9 Blabber, I want all the kills on that guy. Yep, 100%. It's fine. <laughs> mm. it's, he's just so good. Um, yeah. So good. And, well, yeah, we'll have to see. There, there's going to be turmoil. We don't know when Berserker's coming back uh, at its fullest. Like, if you have the full roster, Fudge, Blabber, Jensen, Berserker's Ven, how do they fare against, uh, let's, let's just say, the tier that you have them in, like EG and 100 Thieves? I, I still think probably fourth, at least in terms of like regular season, because I yeah. think it's probably going to take Jensen a little bit to gear up. I think it might take Fudge a little bit of time to gear up back to playing top lane. And then Sven, I, I just don't know what we're going to get out of him out of support. So I could see a situation where they just start off really slow in spring or in, in, in summer, and then they end up good by the end of the split. But then just because they tanked so many games early, they end up like fourth-ish. So that's that's kind of what I expect to happen for them. So I think they'll be good by the time it comes to playoff times. I think they'll be good enough to fight for a world spot. It's just in the regular season, I think it might look rough for a little bit. <laughs> oh, yes. And might be great for us, though, I have to say, because mm -hmm. EG is going to be reeling from MSI. Not in a lot of recovery time. Um, so good. good. So that kind of uh, boils us down to the 100 Thieves roster. No changes. Um, and... Just going to give a quick overview. They look dominant at certain points in spring. And then suddenly, you know, from it, it almost felt like every other week there was an issue where they didn't show up or someone didn't play to their, uh, even their baseline. I mean, I've, I'm shocked to see how Abadage can look like a great mid laner in one game and then look like he had a hangover the next week. Um, and who he is good but then he brings out the set and i'm getting a little bit worried what's going on here with the good 100 i i think there are a couple of issues i think one is that they play 
they draft these comps where it's just very like stock standard, stock standard NA RAM, just, you know, Orn, Aatrox, uh, standard team fighting bot lane, standard mage mid. We're just going to, you know, team fight 5v5. And I think when you do that, you're in a way like trying to stabilize draft advantages on either side. And so it really just becomes about like, can you pilot your champions? And I think very simply, Hunter Thieves just didn't do it consistently last year. I don't think FBI um, looked quite as good in team fights as he used to. I think him and who he's laning was not nearly as good as it had been. You know, I think at their peak, they were just like 2v2 dominant over almost everybody. Um, you know, it, when they won like 2021 summer and stuff, they looked like just head and shoulders above everybody else. That wasn't the case this year. Um, and then I think Abadaga, like you mentioned, some games looks really good. Some games he plays Vex and dies like six times. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> um, I, I do think part of that is just like generally, I think his lane management is not that great. I think he's like good mechanically and has a good game sense, um, like mid game and stuff. I think it's just his laning can be really really bad especially if he gets like a tricky matchup or if the enemy bot lane is you know i mean i think it was the the team liquid game specifically where i forget what bjergsen was playing but they were playing against um abadaga's vex and he they just kept freezing the mid wave on him and bringing core jj up and core jj up would it would come and kill him mid lane and like Part of that is, like, him putting himself in that wave state, but I also think part of the problem there is that, like, Hunter Thieves didn't do a good enough job of, like, anticipating that teams like Team Liquid would try to do something like that and, and stomp out the mid laner. Um, like, I, I think Hoofy probably just didn't have the impact on the map that he used to. Um, the only thing I... The only two things I really, really felt good about this team were Closer, I think is, you know, other than Blabber, obviously, the best jungler in the league, like I mentioned just a bit ago, those two are just unbelievable. And then someday it was actually a lot better than than I thought. You know, when, you know, the past couple of years, he kind of been like an Orn Aatrox. That's literally all he has. I, I think some of Hunter Thieves best games, you know, even though they want to draft all that Orn Aatrox stuff, I think some of their best games were when they actually let him play like Trindomir and stuff. So I would be I would be more willing to be like, let's put someday on Camille. Let's put someday on Fiora. Let's put him on Kale. Like, let's see where this goes. Like, make him the shy. I don't care. Um, because I think if the bot lane's not going to play the way that they did in 2021, they need someday to be that kind of player. Um, so I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me is just, is the bot lane going to be any better? And are they going to be able to lean into, you know, someday playing more carries? Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Someday look like his peak form. He looked like his old self. His old self. We haven't seen that for quite a few years, especially with that turmoil of a roster, I think in 2019. Or the 2020. 2019 and 2020 rosters were... It was Ooh, it, not good. <laughs> I was so scared that he was headed in the same route that Huni is. Like I have to carry mm -hmm. and then get tired. But then you know, last year when Hundred Thieves was at its peak, someday was was one of the concerns for the team last split. But this coming here this year, that was um, the thing. Is even when they when they won in summer, he was their worst player. Mm -hmm. Like the bot lane was insane. Abadagi was like pretty good. Um, closer was probably the best jungler in the league that split and someday was like getting by on orn yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that, that was the thing is like when they changed nothing for 2022 uh they brought in tenacity to like 
they said he was going to split time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's probably not enough to fix the top lane for 100 Thieves. And then somebody just like simply play better. And I was like, all right, I guess that'll do it. <laughs> motivation. Sometimes yeah, you need motivation. that like, you know, like that backup quarterback to motivate you. Works for Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> <laughs> it made Brett Favre better. Yes. <laughs> Didn't get him another ring though. Uh, yeah. But that's, that's uh, hey, maybe it works the same way in esports as well. Uh, thank you so much, Derek, for just walking us through your power ranking. This is going to set up to be an exciting summer. It, it, the, the one key thing is that I feel that this region is making improvements. It's actually making taking steps forward, and I'm hoping to see a better international performance at Worlds. And any of these four teams, I'm happy to see there at Worlds. Um, some more than others but uh <laughs> who would be the three that you would want to see playing against the t- best in against lck lpl eu 100 percent, i want to see eg again um because i think you know their msi record wasn't good but a lot of those games were pretty close and competitive like they weren't getting steamrolled like they were keeping up with teams they even beat i think they had they took a game off of t1 like t1 yep they were obviously the worst of the major four teams, but like they were competitive. And so I would really love to see them, especially with the young players on the international stage again. I want to see Team Liquid because I just think talent wise, they're the best. Um, I just think top to bottom, they're unbelievable. And I would really, really like to see Core JJ and Hans against like, you know, Gala and Ming or Viper Mako, something like that. I think that would be incredibly fun. Last spot obviously comes down to Cloud Nine or Hundred Thieves. If. If Sven is competent at support, I actually think the Cloud9 roster is probably better geared for international success. So I would like to see them, but I think it's super dependent on how that looks. So actually, you know what? Even though I am a 100 Thieves fan, I, I think with what Cloud9's roster can be at their best is probably a little bit better. So I'd probably like to see them actually, um, huh. just because I think they, they have better peak talent. Surprising, surprising. You are a man that are able to set aside your biases and your favoritism to watch it hurts. the best. It hurts, but, you know. I sense there, a lot there's of practice. Probably, I, I have a little bit more faith in, like, you know, a Fudge Jensen mid-duo than I would oh, a, wow. a Sunday Abadaga mid-duo. At least, or, uh, you know, top mid, internationally at least. I think those dudes right. could probably stand up All better. Right. I think we're close in lockstep. Of course, I would love to see 100 Thieves uh, coming back. I think they are whatever Papa Smithy is building, it was set up to with international in mind. So, uh, and Reaper, I always have, you know, respect, mad respect for Reaper um, and the way he thinks and the way he approaches the game. All right. So uh, audience as a couple of last minute, uh, last things to kind of add in, and I'll probably talk more about this going in the future. Um, looking at first week of evil geniuses Academy, we went one and two but gotta say it's because Surdy was at MSI to be a probably a sub an emergency sub and he didn't get too much of a chance but definitely watch out for a Turkish player named Kaori who really really played really well I don't think that he'll take Danny's spot but he's really good he he actually is good I, I don't watch like I, I don't watch every academy game but I've seen enough of, of him that I'm like okay this dude again there it, it always feels like they're like four five players that are just clearly too good for academy he kind of feels like one of those guys um you know i actually 
Um, I think some people, because he came over from the Turkish League, you said, right? Mm-hmm. I think I yeah. I had read somewhere, maybe on like Reddit or something, that people were even more excited about him than they were about Luger coming over. So wow. I don't know. And Luger's pretty good. So I, I don't know. I think uh, Kaori is definitely uh, a good one to watch. That dude yeah. can play. Absolutely. I think, uh, oh, he was with Supermassive. So he does have like, mm. some international experience there as well. As for our prodigies, our amateur league, Proving Grounds is fun. It's it's like chaos and nobody knows how to lane. Nobody knows how to, you know, <laughs> it's it's all NA RAM, but there it's it's fun to watch. But sometimes, like we talked about Kenvi, he came from the, the, mm-hmm. the amateur scene. Danny and Jojo Pion also came through the amateur scene. So there's a lot of talent there. If you have time to watch them, I know it's a lot of games, but, uh, you know, just, you know, kick back watching some of these teams. For myself, I'm definitely circling Doxa and uh, Mia, uh, Midlane and ADC for the Prodigies. They are advancing to the third or the next round of the Proving Grounds uh, qualifier circuit. So give them a follow, watch them, and root for them. And, uh, you know, we are living all things evil here. So, Derek, thank you so much for spending your time with me and giving us your knowledge how can people get connected with you? What do you have working uh, upcoming for you? And you know, what will you, what what uh, do you have a goal for rank this year? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, always down to talk about league. Um, you guys can find me at QB Class on Twitter. That's Class with a K. Um, I work for Bleacher Report. I work for Football Outsiders. We have the Football Outsiders Almanac coming in. In I think about a month, it'll go on on order. So um, look out for that. Um, as far as ranked. I'm hoping to hit diamond again. I'm currently plat three, uh, but I, you know, uh, very recently started my resurgence of like caring about ranked again. Um, so, so we'll see how, how much I can, I can pick it back up. The toughest part has just been adjusting to the meta. Cause I've always been a like Rakan, Thresh, Nautilus, Leona. I, I basically played Vulcan's champion pool, even though I was just dissing him. Uh, that's literally all I could play. So now I've been having to adjust to play like Renata, Lulu, Senna, um, that sort of stuff. So it's it's been a little bit of adjustment period, but it's fun. Hey, like we said, it's a difference between the pros and in solo queue. And yep. we play what we can play. And then we flame the rest of our team who cannot, for the life <laughs> of us, stay safe or whatever it is. Thank you so much, people. And again, subscribe, You know, follow us. Everything will be in the show notes. Uh, and live evil. Let's get let's get to it. Thank you.